and welcome to episode 84 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast of the world and fandom of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And today we will be continuing our Legend of Korra recap with this week's episodes 107, The Aftermath, and 108, When Extremes Meet. Well, full of disclaimer, in this episode you can obviously expect full spoilers for The Legend of Korra as well as Avatar The Last Airbender, but there might be some, there might be some potential spoilers for uh, the Kyoshi novels or the comic books or any other forms of Avatar media that we have covered on this podcast, So, but we'll give you plenty of warning if anything comes about. Uh, but before we get into the news and the episode discussion, how are we doing this week? I'm doing really good. I'm really excited to talk about um, these episodes uh, because yeah. When Extremes Meet is like literally my favorite episode of Legend of Korra. So I'm really excited for that. Um, a lot yeah. happens in these two episodes. A lot happens. And so I'm, I'm much really happens. excited. Like it's very plot heavy in the next these two episodes. Very plot heavy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm doing great. I'm about to celebrate my birthday weekend. Um, Happy birthday. Thank you. My birthday is on the 9th. Um, right now it's the 6th. So we're doing a bunch of things tomorrow. Um, Chris and Sophia are like, because I haven't been able to really like celebrate, celebrate my birthday like the past mm-hmm. two years, like in the way I want it. We're like pulling out all the stops. Chris is Love making it. Chris is making a uh, brunch, and then we're gonna go to Barnes and Noble, and yes. then we're gonna go do an escape room, Ooh. and then we're gonna go to dinner, and then we're gonna go watch the new Doctor Strange movie. I so love it. I was gonna see it yesterday because it was oh, out yeah. yesterday, the uh, fifth, and I went to I wanted to go to like a local theater near Pittsburgh, uh, and. The fucking sound wasn't working. So Wait, what? And the, the sound didn't work. I was wait. The, the, so you you were in the theater. I was in the theater. Uh huh. And the sound wasn't working. Did the movie start playing in the sound? The movie working? was the movie was playing, but the sound what? wasn't working. Yeah. Um. It's not the first time I've had sound issues there. You know, because the Rocky Horror, we've had some sound issues in the past there. Uh huh. Um. But hey, I got two free tickets out of it, so. I'm definitely going to redeem it on Sunday. Uh, at the time oh, of this yeah. recording, it'll be Sunday. So they just stopped uh, the movie and was like, sorry, everyone, yeah. we can't. I mean, there's only oh one there's, there's only one room to screen it in. They only have one theater. Yeah. It's, it, again, it's a small theater, so right. they have one room to screen it in. But you know what? It's fine. I got my ticket. Yeah, I got my two free tickets. I mean, I, you know, I don't think, uh, I think everyone's got Mother's Day plans, so I might just have the theater to myself on Sunday. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm fine with that, you know save that ticket for uh, the second ticket for another day but i Mm -hmm. was going to see it yesterday and it did not crazy it's not meant to be yesterday which makes me kind of sad but i went to the little bookstore bookstore the next door that i had always walked by but never went in so i got Mm -hmm. a I got a nice book it was like a it was like a three book collection in one book that was like ten dollars it was amazing i guess it's like a secondhand bookshop which I definitely need to stop by more often because I'm seeing like all of these like books I've been meaning to get for ages. And I'm like, I bet it's way less expensive to get it here than at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I'm looking I'm looking forward to that. I've heard yeah, crazy too. things about about this film. So I'm I'm really excited to Especially like Sam Raimi and like kind of like how they're leaning more into the horror aspect, which I am I am excited for that. I'm yeah. not usually a big horror movie fanatic, but I do like 
horror with a little bit of camp and I that's same Rami style that, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think I think I, I think I'll be okay. I won't have any nightmares from it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My well, I'm I'm excited about Sam Raimi, but I'm also excited about Sam Raimi with Danny Elfman. Um because he's doing the score and they're an iconic duo. I did not know that. Yeah. 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 So and I've heard really good things about the score as well. So I'm really excited. Nice. Um, but but yeah, just, I always am excited whenever the MCU tries different genres and different styles. Like, for example, WandaVision is still one of my favorite pieces of MCU media because they went in such a different direction than they usually do. So yeah. I like it whenever they like dip the superhero genre into other story, either, either other genres. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we got the like kind of bit more like spy movie with uh, the Winter Soldier, you mm-hmm. know, um, like kind of more space opera-esque uh with loki yeah and yeah. also with um you know with and even the eternals being as different as it was you know mm-hmm. i don't know how to describe that kind of movie it feels more big-brained mythology almost kind of story mm-hmm. i yeah. just like it whenever they try different genres and styles uh within the mcu within the superhero genre you know whenever yeah. they dip it into more than one spot because otherwise it just gets stale if it's the same story. exactly that's how they that's how they keep it fresh yeah exactly. and i always i'm always like so confused when people are like oh yeah marvel it just follows the formula and blah blah i'm like so what is the formula yeah what is it yeah. and they can never answer me and i'm like so <laughs> so so it's just something you heard that you're just yeah, yeah. you're spitting I, back at us <laughs> have you been have you been following moon Knight? did you watch moon Knight? i did finish moon Knight yesterday that is probably if i had to to list it i think one division is probably my top yeah my for sure top, top one moon Knight is probably second i absolutely loved it and I'm just I'm so excited that it, it's it's uh, hopefully getting a season two. I love Oscar I think, Isaac. I mean, considering how well I think from what I've seen, it's been doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I think they definitely I mean, especially because like there was a bit of a cliffhanger even with the um, mm-hmm. post credits scene, you know, yeah. which yeah, no spoilers here. It's OK, guys. No spoilers I just here, but... yeah, I, I, we won't spoil Moon Knight yeah. for you. But there is a post there is a post credit scene that I did not know about. And everyone was like, oh, did you see the post-credits scene that there's a post-credits scene? I was like, Kayla, you've been a Marvel fan for 10 years. You should know that there's a well, post-credits scene. I mean, I'm like, to be not fair. Every, not every Marvel media has a post-credits scene. I'm not going to waste my time. Yeah, the TV shows are, are like are hit or miss. Usually it's yeah. the last episode or the second to last episode that have end credit scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I remember when when <laughs> WandaVision was such a like internet phenomenon. I remember people being like, why are the credits six minutes long? Like the numbers have to mean something. And I'm like... <laughs> What does it mean? What does it all mean? Yeah, people were like adding. Uh, it was like, okay, it's six minutes and fifty six seconds. So let's add up with, with the next episode and see if that gives us a number or something. I'm like, I just there there will never be a time like that again on the internet no, when people just, were watching Wandavision. Just wild, absolutely yeah. wild. We got Kenobi you know, at the end of the month. Oh my god! Wait, hold on. Before we go to Kenobi, I want to yeah. talk about. I know. Sorry, this is turning into a Marvel podcast, but Shh, don't. Just, just, just you know, you know you, what you I find so funny. You don't like it. <laughs> yeah, you know what I find so funny about um, I I keep seeing TikToks about people being like Marvel's like compulsion to have like a big like action battle on, on their last episode of the series, and I'm like, it's an action adventure show. Yeah, it's a superhero show. Yeah, what are you what are you expecting? Also, Loki didn't do that. So yeah. not every show's doing that. I don't know. Even Moon Knight, even though Moon Knight had like, you know, a lot of big things going on, and I'm trying to speak as vaguely as I can so I don't spoil it for anybody. Mm-hmm. But it didn't feel quite as like the big grandiose superhero fight. It was still big stuff going on, but it didn't feel like it. 
yeah, I can. Yeah, and it also didn't take up the whole episode either. I love that you know? too. I can see how people like WandaVision definitely like the whole last episode was just nothing but action. So I can see I, I loved it, but I can see how that can like be a little mind numbing for people. But yeah. I mean, there is so much going on in this finale apart from the final battle. But I'm like, again, it's it's like it's a fantasy action adventure show. Of course, it's going to end with the battle. Have, I do have an Avatar related thing, though. Mm-hmm. Did Moon Knight basically confirm that Avatar is an anime? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm. St- I'm. I don't know about that. Still, Moon Knight. I don't know. I think we've all settled on on a as a fandom that it like it's a cartoon, but it takes elements of anime. I agree. I'm still yeah. going by that definition, but I like that it got a that it got a um, a nod a nod in the in in Marvel. Like the <laughs> Avatar is like MCU confirmed exists yeah. in the Marvel universe. That's kind of so funny. funny. And even like the blue people Avatar too. Which apparently, um, the trailer for that is going to be with um, the Doctor Strange. Were there previews when you went to see the movie? Uh, so I went into the movie thinking that there was previews. I, the movie started at three. Mm-hmm. So maybe it is a good thing that I ended up missing because it turned out I missed the first 20 minutes of the movie. <laughs> there you didn't mi- seem to be... <laughs> Way to bury the lead. You missed the first 20 minutes. No, I would have walked because, out at that point. Because I thought that the uh, previews would take like 20 minutes like they always do. But I guess they don't. Do you, are you a person do... who skips the previews? Yeah. Uh, I can't. That's I can. Part of, that's part of the movie going experience for me. No, it's not for me. I'm just like... I'm ready. I'm like, you know, I'm ready for start the fucking movie. But I go in and I see like, you know, Doctor Strange and Wanda on screen. I'm like, oh, shit. I missed the first 20 minutes. Oh, my God. (laughs) So maybe it was a good thing that I missed it. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, I (laughs) I was kind of embarrassed to say that. I love getting. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. No, I love getting there early i like settling in i like getting like my, my drinks and my stacks have plenty of time to go to the bathroom and then like i don't know the the, the previous for me are always like so exciting because you never know what they're gonna play i'm not i'm not gonna say they're entertaining but because some yeah. of them are like trash but like the ambulance movie that i kept seeing the fucking preview for oh my god i will never forget we were going to see spider-man no way home yeah that's where i saw the we, had, preview we had seen a movie before that i can't remember i think it was like a horror movie or something but it was uh, that preview also played um then it's like people really want to see this movie but i was seeing it with my sister and we have this like i swear mind connection um and mind meld yeah almost so like when the preview ended and the words like ambulance <laughs> were on the screen we turned to each other and simultaneously went ambulance <laughs> <laughs> and we could not <laughs> stop laughing we're i mean it just looks so dumb anyway it does it just it, does. it gave away the entire movie like in the three yeah. minutes. Not that I was going to see it anyway. Anyway. <laughs> that is here's... seeing the movie, I guess. Uh, those yeah, like right? three minute previews that basically yeah. just show you the whole movie. Yeah, exactly. There's no Avatar news this week. So that's your pop culture news update. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have another pop culture news update if you want to oh, talk about yes, it. Yes, we have Kenobi, which I still haven't seen the full trailer for. I don't think I want to see the trailer for it, to be honest. I've seen the teaser. Uh-huh. I don't think I want to see the trailer for it. Oh, this is like something I'm really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. And I've also been like avoiding like the bigger trailers for Doctor Strange right now. Cause like, same. Well, according to Kevin Feige, they gave away too much in the trailer. So I'm like, I'm not doing Oh, did that. he say that? He did. He was kind of like, you know, not too happy that the marketing team put uh, as much as they did in there. So I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing that. 
Uh, you'd think he'd have some sort of say over yeah, it or something. I guess not. Marvel's a big mm. company, I guess. So, Ugh. well, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe like at this point, maybe he's probably to, like he trusts the marketing team. But like and maybe after he's this, like, he's like, I'll probably keep like, a closer eye. But also, he's like knee deep in like ten years in the next ten years of Marvel. That's true. So that's true. There's that. But Kenobi, uh, I am so fucking excited for that. I've been waiting for this shit for. God knows how long. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I have been wanting a Kenobi movie, a series, just something to like catalog what happened on Tatooine. And um, especially like I celebrated May the 4th slash Revenge of the 5th uh, by watching the Clone Wars series finale because I love pain, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just going to, it's going to, the, the Kenobi series is going to be so good, but it's going to maybe emotionally wreck me a few times, more than a few times, I think, especially because yeah. I am someone whose uh, favorite Star Wars movie is Revenge of the Sith. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's my favorite. Don't judge me. It's my favorite. <laughs> it's a it's a good favorite. It's a good favorite. I agree. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just very excited for that because again, I just I mean, I love that kind of prequel era, and I'd love it whenever they explore that time jump mm-hmm. between the prequels and the original trilogy. So yes, give yeah. me give me all of that content. I'm so excited for it. I did watch the trailer they they dropped on May the fourth. It was also I I would also ca- just call it a teaser because it was also like 90 seconds. But okay. Um, but. I'm really interested because, I mean, like, from my limited Star Wars knowledge, I always just thought that, you know, Obi-Wan went to Tatooine and then became a hermit for, like, 20 years until Luke was old enough and we caught, caught up to a new hope. But apparently there was a lot going on in between that Well, a lot can era. happen in 20 years. Definitely, you know? definitely, and yeah. And I bet that, like, you know, I mean, like, I didn't think he would have stayed on Tatooine for all that time, but, you know... um, I'm just excited to see what he gets up to, especially with confirmation that Hayden Christensen's coming back as mm-hmm. Anakin. Like, I'm interested to see what what that's like. Yeah, um, and like, is there it, are there going to be flashbacks? Are there going to be you know like? I think I, there will be. I think. I God, I hope there's flashbacks. I hope there's flashbacks. <laughs> I, I'm just excited to see. Like, I mean, especially like after all these years of you know people shitting on Hayden Christensen, I'm kind of excited to see where he is now with his acting after. Uh-huh. Yeah, because like. I think Star Wars is like his first major role, I think. Like, I think he's been in a few movies before that and he's been in a few movies since then, but it's kind of like disappeared from the public eye. So I'm excited to see where he's, especially because like he has, I think one of the things that people always shit on is the acting choices in um, the prequels. And I totally agree. I make fun of it all the time too. Mm -hmm. But I think a part of what made it a little rough is that, you know, um, George Lucas has a hard time writing dialogue and he does his best when people tell him no. Well, and that's so, that's the thing. It's like, it, also, it wasn't 100% his acting. It was like yeah. 30% like, the writing, 30% also, the directing. Actors have to put a lot of faith in the director too. And especially yeah. for newer actors who maybe don't know when to go word for word on the director or to start yeah. kind of taking their own approach to it. Um, so I'm excited to see where Hayden Christensen is in his acting without that, with the, maybe a little bit more confidence in his own acting choices. Do you know who's directing uh, Obi-Wan? Deborah Chow, I think. Is that correct? She's She was one of the directors for The Mandalorian. Or she's a showrunner. Yeah, Deborah Chow. Yeah. I remember things. Go me. <laughs> but also I'm just excited that, like, you know, there's more women directing and being in charge of Star Wars projects. Like, Absolutely. 
That makes me so excited to see. Yeah, she she's known for um, uh, Jessica Jones, Better Call Saul, uh, Walking Dead. So that yeah, she was also involved in the Mandalorian series. Mandalorian. As well. So yeah. I don't know which one did she which one did she direct in the Mandalorian? She said uh, it says directed two episodes of the Mandalorian season one. Yeah, which ones? I'm trying to see what episodes she directed because I'm like I'm pretty sure that whatever episode that she's done. Um, this is this is now the pop culture. This is kind of the pop culture hour. <laughs> this is what uh, happens when we have no Avatar news. Yeah, right. She was she did chat. She did episodes three and seven, the sin and the reckoning for the Mandalorian. Mm, okay. So yeah, okay. I'm really I'm really excited. I'm I'm interested to see like just like what kind of show it is because it seems very character driven, very like emotional. And um, that's what I want. I yeah. want feelings. I want yeah. feelings. I want to. I want to feel things. I'm mm-hmm. ready. You know. I might just be texting Andre in the middle of the night, being like, <laughs> you know. I'm predicting <laughs> um, because we do know that uh, one of the main characters is like an inquisitor, um, and I just know that there's probably going to be a scene where the inquisitor like beats Obi Wan in some context, and, and the fanboys so are going to be enraged. And I'm, I'm not looking forward to that. Mm. <laughs> um, so I'm going to. Thankfully, I'm pretty good with being on the right side of TikTok. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to stay on the on the fringes for that. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited about about that series. We're uh, I just watched the first two seasons of The Mandalorian with Chris um, uh-huh. while he's been sick because he's always wanted to watch oh, you it. Just, oh, you just watched it? Okay. No, no, I I've I've seen it already, okay. but he okay. wanted to watch it because gotcha. he wanted to watch. He wanted to watch uh, Book of Boba Fett because he, uh, he knows Book that I've been waiting Fett for him to watch Mandalorian. <laughs> okay, basically, Book of Boba Fett is like Mandalorian season two point five. That's what I yeah. That's what I've heard. I'm like we're only like three episodes in, and I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, I enjoyed Book of Boba Fett, but like I was kind of annoyed with like just how much Mandalorian there was in there. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm yeah. like, this is, this is the book of Boba Fett. They're hijacking Boba Fett's show. Anyway, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to see how that goes. Um, so. One last piece of pop culture news. Um, <laughs> the Percy Jackson cast has yes! been cast. So we have a I'm, Percy, Annabeth, and Grover. I am so excited. I had a feeling that they were going to cast a person of color as Annabeth, and mm-hmm. I am so excited that they did. Um, I'm just... And yeah, I'm just so excited to see where this goes, especially with Rick Riordan having a much bigger role in the development of the show. Mm-hmm. So, and also, of course, they're casting the actors to be closer in age to, you know, yeah. what they are in the books. So, mm-hmm. and that's going to emotionally wreck me, probably, uh, seeing all <laughs> when of you, the... When you remember how much those kids go through in the books? Yeah. They're kids, and like, you know, as kids, like, oh, it's totally normal 16-year-olds going on a quest. Of course, you know. Big, <laughs> you know and I read the books when I was, like, 12. So I was like, yeah, big, tough 16-year-old. They know exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really I'm really excited for this. Um, it's going to be interesting because, like, I think hopefully the, the timing will play out to where we'll be watching the Netflix live-action Avatar series and Percy Jackson. I that or I don't podcast. know if I that is going to be an interesting <laughs> podcast. I also don't know if if Disney doesn't want to do that and gets out of the way of that show so they can have yeah. their own sort of like prime time. But yeah. I'm really excited for that. I'm not excited, of course, about the reaction from uh, racist people Ugh. um saying that their Annabeth is white and blonde. It wasn't the fact that Annabeth was blonde that wasn't blonde in the movies that we were mad about. It's the fact that they just completely butchered everything about her character. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine like taking an, a character like Annabeth and then being like, "Well, she's not white or blonde, so she's not Annabeth." 
I'm like, I, I bet whoever's the actress who's playing Annabeth's going to do a much better approach with the character than what we got in the movies, especially mm-hmm. the whole, I definitely have strong feelings for you, but I can't say they're positive or negative or not. That is an actual line from the fucking movie. Oh my God. And there, you know what? There is a blog post by Rick Riordan saying that my problem was not that Annabeth was like a brunette. My problem was that they were like adults. And it completely messes the whole dynamic of the story. But also, like, do people know that they could, like, you know, people know black people can dye their hair, right? Like, that is a thing. And also, no one was up in arms when Walker Scobell was cast as Percy. Percy has canonically jet black hair. And why are people so mad about fucking hair color? Why? Exactly. Hair color. What's what's with the hair color? It doesn't matter. Like, can I'm like, I still haven't seen the Adam Project yet, but I want to. Mm-hmm. See, that's kind of his, like, that was kind of his big, big breakout role there was in yeah. the Adam Project. So now I kind of want to watch it to see what he's, what he's like. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, well, that concludes the pop culture <laughs> section <laughs> of the podcast because we have no avatar news. So, uh, ready to get into the main discussion? This episode might end up being an hour and a half at this rate. Yes. Let's move on to the, to the discussion. <laughs> All right. Well, episode 107, The Aftermath. So, hence, in the aftermath of the Equalist attack on the bending arena, the pro-bending arena has since been closed, which also means that Mako and Bolin no longer have a place to live. However, it's okay, because Asami's invited them to stay at her place. Uh, Korra's also invited, and also invited to go hang out at the Sato Mansion. Um, so, yay, Team Avatar hangout. Mm-hmm. Um Meanwhile, this the is, cops, hold on. I was gonna say oh, sorry, this. I this, kind of sped through this. No, it's okay. I was gonna say the pool scene is like. I was like, oh, this is the closest we're gonna get to a beach episode with these characters. Yes, I'm about. To, I'm about. To, I, I'll add that to the note later because I, I do mention the pool. The the pool scene, not the beach scene. Jesus, no beach. Scene okay, here. okay. Uh, but so meanwhile, the cops have found evidence that Cabbage Corp is involved with the Equalist, and we get one more. My cabbages, not my Cabbage Corp. <laughs> and also the fact that he has a statue. In yes. front of the building. <laughs> Everyone it's like, it was like reparations. Fucking, everybody gets a fucking statue in Republic City that was in Atla. <laughs> oh my god. What are some characters you think deserve as a statue in Republic oh, City? If, if, the cab, if the Cabbage Man didn't get a statue, I would have said that he deserved one. Um, we, already, we do see one for Zuko. We do see one for Toph. I think we see a few for Toph, I think, honestly. No statue, no statue for Katara. Which I, which, I mean... I guess that fits for a character, but I, I mean, think she deserves one. <laughs> just because we didn't see it doesn't mean it's it's not there. Yeah. But I would have thought, because there's literally a statue for literally everybody else, including yeah. Aang Sokka. So. Wait, Sokka has a statue? Mm-hmm. He has, oh. a, it, he has a statue. It shows up in like the the third episode or something. Like when, um, when uh, Bolin is like doing, like trying to get money for the, the pot, oh. I think the statue, he's either in front of Sokka or Zuko, but I know for a fact Sokka has a statue okay. in Republic City. Yeah. Um, well, I would have thought, I would have thought like Yue would have had a statue or something. Well, they did name, like the bay is named after her, I think. Yue Bay, I think it is, they mentioned. So there is something um, named after her, but she yeah. should have a statue too. Yeah. Or like a mm-hmm. Suki statue or something. Yeah. They all deserve statues. <laughs> I wonder if there's like a, I don't know, like a, a Kiyoshi Martial Arts Center or something. There's a Kiyoshi, <laughs> there's a Ki- there's a Kiyoshi Bridge. So. That's true. That's true. Yeah, so there's there's call-outs everywhere. Yeah, of Love course, that. of course. Uh, well, after the uh, CEO of Cabbage Corp has been uh, arrested, and of course they bring back, you know, 
same actor as the cabbage merchant mm-hmm. you do. Not my cabbage, Cora. Uh, Cora then sees Tano, who's now become basically a shell of what he used to be after getting his bending taken away um, at the police station. He tells Cora to, you got to stop him. And whatever rivalry they had in the arena has since faded away with more important <sighs> things going on here. Yeah, this this always gets me. And it's, it's not something I, I expected, um, like, pretty much every time I watch it. Because it's, like, it, I think it, like, illustrates just, like, how much bending is, like, intertwined into someone's, like, personality and life. Yeah. And when that's taken away, you're left. I think it was important to show the aftermath of somebody who's had their bending taken away. Because we've seen people's bending taken away, but we don't see that what after what's after that. And this episode is called The Aftermath. So there's a lot of aftermath stuff going on. Um, But I think it was important to show us what it's like for benders after the fact and how they deal with it. And he said that he's been to all the best healers and whatever Amon did is permanent. It it also raises the stakes on, you know, Cora going into this fight against Amon, you know. Exactly. Um, She's like confronted with that. Especially because she has such an important closeness with her own bending, mm-hmm. which we've established multiple times, but kind of seeing like Cora is now seeing what could happen to her and what yeah. does happen to her. Exactly. Yeah, I think it fucks with her a little bit. Definitely, definitely. Well, back at the Sato residence, after all this dark stuff's going on, they're having a little pool party, you know. We learned mm-hmm. that, uh, well, we learned that Asami is, uh, a bit, a bit of a rebel because she's more of an ask for forgiveness instead of permission attitude because she did not tell her dad that Mako and Bolin were moving in until they were moving in. <laughs> uh, so I do like that this is an episode we get a lot of Asami development. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we As get we some, should. I mean, she deserved more development and screen time, but you know, that's a whole other episode of the podcast right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but she's not just some prissy, beautiful, elegant, rich girl. She likes a little risk and danger based on how she's a really good race car driver. And, uh, you know, that she invites Cora to go with her on this, you know, automobile test drive. Um, and they have this just great moment of connection during the race. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they both have this, like, intense side to them of, like, you know, like, intense in the regards of, like, you know, kind of, like, maybe just not just adrenaline junkie, but... I don't know how to describe it, but you they know, like they, their thrills. They like they their like thrills. their thrills and different yeah. And, yeah, and all that stuff. So like they, that's a really great moment of connection right there. And that's like, um, I think that is quote. I mean, I haven't read all of Turf Wars or any of the other Korra comics, but I do know that she does bring up uh, this moment. Um, mm. So we'll we'll put a pin in that. Mm. Yeah, I think all the I think Korra finding commonalities with Asami um, helped her just to see her as like you know an interesting person you know instead of Mm -hmm. like again like the prissy beautiful elegant rich girl Mm -hmm. um also i'm gonna just right now i'm just gonna turn myself into horny jail because i'll never forgive these animators for drawing on these like like bathing suit tops on mako and bolin i don't care if it's period accurate take it off now (laughs) kayla just rolled her eyes all the way to the back of her skull yeah (laughs) I mean, that's fine. I also just kind of just like drooled over Asami for a few episodes. <laughs> so, you know, uh, we, we both, we both, both in horny our, jail. We've, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, Cora's like kind of apologizes for like kind of assuming that she was this prissy person. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, you know, she's like, you know, someone's like, yeah, it's okay. I get this assumption a lot. People think I'm daddy's helpless little girl, but, you know, I can take care of myself. And she talks about how she's was in, you know, self defense classes and she was like, 
this high, she describes it. She said that her dad would, her dad made sure that she would always be able to protect herself. And yeah, we can see that play out later. Yeah. <laughs> so Cora, they go back to Cora and the rest of the crew because I guess I, people refer to them as the crew with a K because we mm. have the gang for the others. So we'll make it work. That works. Um, that works. Yeah. Cora and the rest of the crew go to back to the house. Uh, you know, Bolin's, you know, screams and runs to the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> Cora goes to the bathroom upstairs and she loses a fight with a powder puff. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, she then stumbles upon Hiroshi Sato making a rather sus phone call. She then runs to Tenzin and Lin under the suspicion of him being an equalist. And it turns out he does have a motive because a firebender had killed his wife during a break-in. So now we know why that she was that Asami was in self de- was in self-defense classes and she was very little. Those poor Fire Nation people getting a bad yeah, rap. right? <laughs> Ruin it for the rest of us. I know. Oh my god. So yeah, the next day, because of that motive and the sus phone call, Hiroshi is being put under investigation, which pisses off Asami and Mako. And it, it does the search comes up fruitless after searching Future Industries warehouse. Um, but it all changes when a warehouse worker offers some evidence that Hiroshi is up to something for the Equalists and is a mm. secret facility at his own house. Mm. Um, so with that tip in mind, Lynn arrives with her metal benders with Tenzin to find the secret factory and put an end to things. Um, well, uh, after fi- I, I do, I do want to point out that Lynn uses, I, I, I love when Lynn takes off her, like the bottom of her shoe and does like the seismic sense mm-hmm. that like Toph did. I love that seeing that come back. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they that's how they find that there is, in fact, a secret factory warehouse thing under the workshop. So they end up running into a trap where we uh they come face to face with the mecha tanks for the first time in the series. And we also learn that metal bending, in fact, does have a limit, which is platinum because of how pure it is, which makes sense. Why yeah. he said because yeah, he says that like not even like Toph could bend a metal this pure uh-huh. um so essentially we get a battle of magic versus machinery mm. so to speak um with the cool combination of 2d and 3d animation with the tanks and the bending oh that's the real magic here oh yeah I'm, right i imagine that's really hard to to pull off like that combination for sure Absolutely. i i really like this is this battle sticks out to me um because of like it almost kind of reminds me of like the the battle um at Lake Lao Guy. Oh um, yeah. Just because it's that. like underground and it's like got like the green overtone or whatever. The lighting. I also want to point out the lighting. Yeah. The like the lighting for the app for this particular fight scene. I don't know. It just mm. like makes it more ominous to me too. You know? Well it's also like the, the it's really interesting because I'm gonna talk about the music real quick. Um the it. music is like is very like the whole time they're fighting, it's mostly just like ominous ambiance. Like it's not really like you know fast epic action music it's like the whole time it's just like this like you know ambient ominous music playing so it's like it gives you like a a weird sort of feeling as you're watching this um because it kind of is already telling you that it's not gonna end well um and also just again shout out um to the person who animated tenzin uh because i remember watching a video pointing out how the reason the animation looks so elevated is because the way they animate Tenza's clothing with the airbending and how time-consuming that is. I mean, this was, like, the reason why a lot of animators were, like, you know, working endless hours trying to get this right. Um, And it always... Every time I... 
ever since I've seen that video, I'm always paying attention to how like Tenzin's robes kind of like, you know, interact Bellow. with how it, yeah, how it bellows and how it like interacts with his bending. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, if you're if you're watching along with us, just be, I would pay attention to that next time Tenzin's on screen. Absolutely. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Um, but I also like I appreciate like that kind of ominous foreboding kind of music because um it really does kind of show the stakes that they're up against. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's a different kind of threat than what we've seen in the world so far. So definitely wanted to point that out. Um, and as the music foreshadows, the tanks easily overpower the cops and the other benders in the room. Um, Mako and Berlin then arrive and try to rescue Tenzin, Lin, and Korra, but are caught by Hiroshi and the Equalist Lieutenant. So it turns out Hiroshi's sponsorship was all a cover, and he is just absolutely furious at the fact that his daughter is dating a firebending street rat, as he mm. describes it. Um, and of course, Asami arrives and hears that entire thing. And oh, I don't know, like the, the, the animator, like the look on her face is just heartbreaking to me, too. Yeah. Um, and she confronts her father about this. And Hiroshi then asks her for her forgiveness because he tried to keep her out of this for as long as he could. Which I kind of made it known, like, I don't know why he kept her out of it for as long as he did. Like, um, I don't know. I think maybe he sort of sensed that Asami didn't quite share his values when it came to like benders. Um, that's point. just my guess. Maybe they've had like arguments like over the Thanksgiving dinner table or something. <laughs> um, that's that's right. just my guess. Yeah. yeah, good point. Good point. But then he offers her a place at his side in the Equalist movement and offers her one of the electric gloves. Mm-hmm. Asami takes the electric glove, prompting everyone who thought that she was an Equalist to punch the air, but the tables turn and she <laughs> uses it against her father and easily overpowers the lieutenant. Mm-hmm. Which I just remember watching this scene for the first time and just absolutely loving it. Uh, like, I mean, I think I think our reactions match the same as like Cora and Mako's reactions of just like the yeah. the gagged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you really don't know. I mean, the, the way it's written, it's definitely meant to suggest that Asami is also undercover, but it really keeps you guessing up until the last minute. I think that's that's really hard to do, you know. Yeah. And there's plenty of jokes being made here about Cora's reaction to Asami uh being a badass, you know, realizing she wasn't as straight as she she previously thought. Mm-hmm. Uh love that joke so much. Um yeah. But I, I just, it's just a great character moment for her. And, you know, also like, yeah, it does keep you guessing on her character. But, you know, I think the bigger twist is that she was a really good person at heart all along anyway. You know? Yeah. Um, so after Asami takes out her father and the lieutenant, um, they manage to escape from the underground warehouse. And Lynn has said that she has failed as a chief. And proves Tarlock's point about her. And she's handing in her resignation as the chief because she's going to try and stop Amon outside the law, which I'm Ooh. just, I, I made a note of like, Lynn the vigilante, all right, mm-hmm. you know. Mako then apologizes to Korra for not believing her. And, you know, Korra then offers him, Bolin, and, and Asami a place to stay at Air Temple Island. Um, Korra tells him that, uh, tells Mako that Asami's going to need him after all that she's been through. And that's just a really great character moment, too. You know? Yeah. Of like, just, again, just her compassion and empathy and all that stuff. Like, they, as much as we do kind of bash the love triangle, rightfully so, mm-hmm. um, there's still great moments like this where they kind of push those things aside. And it doesn't make it into, like, a 
petty cliche when like they kind of shove things aside for this, you know? Yeah, and I I I've talked about this before, but I I like that Cora does in a certain way need to like interact with the person to get into that nuance and gray area because she does have a certain black and white perspective on some things, especially in the beginning of the show, right? But I think her, again, sharing commonalities with Asami and connecting with her and relating to her has kind of shown her that, you know, she really loves Mako. And I think that's, it's kind of helping Cora kind of get over that a little bit, you know? Um, and even flat out saying that, you know, Asami is going to need him after all she's been through, you know, it shows that Cora can put herself in Asami's shoes and know that this would be like devastating. So, um, so yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this moment from Cora. Absolutely. And that's kind of where the episode ends kind of on this like bleak kind of note. Um, before we move on to the break, I do want to point out one of my favorite funny moments in the show of, uh, you know, Mako fire sneezing to get past the police officer that's been sent to babysit them. <laughs> Uh-huh. Like it's just it's just ridiculous. Like how he just it's like sorry, like all this stuff. Like I snee snee. What are you doing? Snee. You know, just like this is just the ridiculous. It's like how he just drew that out as long as he yeah. did. It just made I, it. I like fun. this because I can I can imagine like this is like probably like one of Mako and Bolin's like street maneuvers to like steal I didn't something. Even think of that. Uh, well, because he he like shares a, a glance with with Bolin. And it's like they kind of like it's kind of like um in Thor Ragnarok where Thor and Loki let's do like, let's do get help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's it's the same thing here. And then also of course like you know um it's like you stay here wait till we get back and like he says like and like Bolin's like that sounds very familiar doesn't it? why because you said it <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great moment. Oh my goodness. And that ends our recap for episode 107. We're going to take a quick break. I'll be right back with episode 108. See you then. Hey everyone, Kayla here. Before we get into the second half of the episode, we just wanted to remind everyone to check and make sure you're following the Avatar Hour podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if that platform has a rating system, please consider leaving us a review and maybe some feedback. With subscribers and reviews, it allows us to reach future listeners and to help the podcast grow in the long run. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. All right. And we're back. So let's get into 108 When Extremes Meet. Um, Like I said at the top of the show, uh, this is my absolute favorite episode of season one, maybe of the whole show. Um, And I looked at Avatar Wiki and it's apparently the episode with the lowest viewership of book one. That's odd. That's really, I cannot imagine missing an episode like this. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't understand it. So let's just let's just get right into it. So it. Mako and Bolin and Asami have moved to Air Temple Island. Um, <laughs> I just I love all of this. Just Bolin asking like the question. How many trees? How many going. trees does this place have? Do we get a sky bison? And are do you have to be vegetarian? Like, and then like yeah. you know, of course, and she just he, like, rattles off the answers. She is not missing a beat with him. Like, mm-hmm. I just love it. And then of yeah. course, like you know, uh, uh, Milo being spent with Asami, being like, "You're really pretty. Can I <laughs> some, some of your hair?" <laughs> God. And as yeah. much as Milo can like have his moments where it's like, "Okay, Jesus Christ," but however. Moments like this, where uh-huh. he's, you know, like just being a weird ass kid. Yeah. That I enjoy. It's so realistic, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Cora gets outed for liking Mako by Iki. And I I don't know who's I don't know whose decision that was to cut to like the, the lightning and the fire with like Cora's face. I I didn't but I didn't know whose decision that was, but 
I want to thank them from the bottom of my heart. That shit makes me crack up every single every time, time I watch it. Because it comes out of nowhere. Because like you've got like this peaceful like air temple they're, music. You know, and they're about to go. <laughs> sh- they're about to go. Sh- a and then he's like, Asami, did you know Cora likes Mako? <laughs> <laughs> it's Fucking so funny. Kids. kids. <laughs> I know that those animators and maybe even Breck were taking inspiration like from, from their own kids and like how they're just they just For no sure. awareness of anything. No, of course not. And then also like Iki's face after like you know Chorus uh-huh. like shuts the door. She's like, run along, Iki. And she yeah. has her own like <laughs> face. <laughs> like Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. And, and this this will Sibling this particular dynamics. point will come to pass in the next episode. But I I I really enjoy the fact that Asami is like, I hate Korra oh, for liking Mako. Oh, I didn't know that. She kind of was a little bit taken aback, but she's not, you know. Yeah, I, I, it's not like one of those things. Like, I mean, I don't know. I there, there tends to be this, um, this thing in TV shows where you know, like the the guy will cheat on the girl, and then the girl will go after the girl he cheated on her with, and not yeah. the actual guy. And that's not what happens in in this show at all. We'll we'll get more into it in the next episode. Uh, in the episode after that, but I really, I really just enjoy that aspect about Asami's character. Mm-hmm. So, um, Tenzin shows up and um, tells Korra, like, you know, um, the new chief of police is going to be announced. I think we should be there. And it's this guy, Chief Saikon, and he's the worst. And he's apparently, you know, uh, like his main policy, his top policy is like addressing the equalist movement, and that. But also, any- he reports directly to. Right, any any developments are reported directly to Tarlock, Which and it's is... Tenzin's and Korra. Like, it's really obvious that Tarlock has done something to make sure that Saikon is in his pocket. Probably some form of blackmail, knowing Tarlock. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they confront them, uh, you know, Tarlock is like, "I can't wait for you to come back to the task force now that you don't have any pro bending distractions." And she's mm-hmm. like, "I'm not joining your vanity project, uh, and I know Boom. exactly the kind of person you are." Uh, she's like, I don't need you. I'm the Avatar. And then Tarlock oh. says that she's in fact not the Avatar. She's a half-baked Avatar in training who can't even airbend yet. And yeah. this causes Korra to spiral for like pretty much the rest of the episode because um, it's a huge blow to her she, ego. She does because she does even bring the quote back in later yeah. in the episode. So yeah, clearly a word like something like that is cuts yeah. the real low blow. Yeah, it's it just highlights that she does struggle with that, and the next couple of scenes do kind of address that. She, um, as Tenzin and and Korra are heading back to Air Temple Island, she's like kind of ranting to him about how she's a failure because she can't figure out airbending, and Tenzin encourages her. You know, he's like, "There's just a block that you have to work through," and he encourages her to call on her past lives for guidance. Um, and Korra's like, "Well, I'm also a spiritual failure too, so I don't, I don't." know anything about that but she said she's had some hallucinations about uh ang and tenzin's like you should probably focus on that because that's probably ang trying to tell you something mm-hmm. um and we've seen like in the past couple episodes like some some snatches of like a vision here or there of the the older gang um so we know something's going on there <clears throat> tenzin you know says that he thinks that ang is trying to tell her something uh, more on that later um, and then, you know, later on, Cora has sort of like isolated herself and she's like, you know, kind of, it kind of reminds me of, it, I think this is meant to tie into the very last episode where she's on that cliff. Not probably the emotional stakes are the same, mm-hmm. but I think she does have this tendency to like, kind of like isolate herself when she's feeling, um, you know, like, you know, not great. Um, 
And, you know, Mako, Bolin, and Asami find her, and she, uh, Korra is basically like, I'm the worst avatar ever. I feel alone. I don't know how to help people. And I loved this moment because, you know, I love the friendship, and I love that. That him. they they comfort her and they remind her that Aang had not mastered all four elements while he was battling the Fire Nation. And Bolin said that he also had the support of his friends and that, you know, they're the new team avatar. Um, so together they decide to patrol Republic City. And this is, again, my favorite thing about the season. Team Avatar going full Batman in I Republic City. I'm just sad that I don't see, we don't see a whole lot more of this. I, w- I would have... A whole season. I just wanted a whole season of this. I and yeah. I would have been I would have been happy. Oh my god. I just I love this so much. And to me, there's nothing I love seeing more than a team of fictional friends going out and chasing bad guys. I love it. And love in a friendship. badass automobile. Yeah, right. <laughs> but like this whole like car chase sequence, which is like my favorite action genre in Avatar, uh, is car chase. Um, this whole sequence is so cool because it's it's so cool seeing how each person uses their different skills to work together. And and this is this is what I wanted instead of the love triangle. Yeah, like right? that episode, I wanted more of this, you know? Yeah. And yeah, also I just, the, like, I mean, like, just, like, moments I want to point out is, like, you know, she says that, like, they don't know we made the turn. Like, we need to make this turn. We need you guys to, like, you know, Cora, Bolin, mm-hmm. yeah, I need you guys to, you know, earthbend this, you know, a ramp, earthbend this curve, you know, and, like, you know, just, and just, I don't know, just the badassery of it all and just, you know, seeing how well, like, Asami contributes to the group, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, because we've seen, you know, Mako and Cora fighting together we've seen you know mm-hmm. even a little bit of Bolin fighting and all that stuff but like now we've got you know, we've seen Korra Mako and Bolin fighting together in the bending arena but now we see Asami and how well she adds to the group too yeah I, I I just love it, it they just work so seamlessly, seamlessly together um and I always love uh Mako being a badass with the lightning bending just how it's animated and just timed it's oh it's just so cool. Every time I rewatch it with somebody, I'm always I looking forward robbed. to seeing this episode. Yeah, I feel I know. robbed. You know, Just a little bit. No, not a little bit. I feel robbed a lot of it, actually. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat my feelings on this. We should have gotten more of this. And I'm mm-hmm. I mean, like, I do like when they explore different dynamics of the gang. I not the gang, sorry, the crew now. I'm sorry, Team Avatar. Uh, but like I love whenever they explore different dynamics, like for example, in season two, when they have a little bit more of Bolin and Asami working together. Yeah. However, I just wish they were together more often. Yeah. Just... I mean, I mean, apart from this, like, like what? There's some moments in season two, some moments in season three, some of season four. But yeah, I think you know why I think like we sports. feel robbed is because Avatar is pretty much every single episode a group of friends working together to overcome a problem. Yeah. And it's hard. It's just the by the nature of the story, it's hard to have that happen with these characters. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure why. Maybe they were purposefully trying to get away from that. Um, and because they, they didn't want it to be that similar to Avatar, but I don't know. I I always could have used more just the the crew working together like this. It's just it's just so great. Um, yeah. yeah, and it gets especially what makes it different than the gang is the fact that we also have like the introduction of you know more modern technology and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So like you know, I mean, not that like we didn't have technology, and especially we had Sokka being the the ideas guy, you know, the non vendor yeah. ideas guy, but like you know. I don't know. I'm just that's that's one of the, the drawbacks of Korra. But I think you know what it is about um the crew is that I feel like they're a lot less specialized and it's not a bad thing. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it's not one person being this. Like they're all yeah. 
very competent vendors working together. Oh, well, save Asami, but she's just fighters. as competent. Fighters. fighters. Let's say fighters. Or fighters and idea people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're just, they're really good at just working together. And it's like, it's, I would have liked a little more like recognition of that because this is the first time they've all worked together in this context and they work really well together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have loved a little bit more recognition of that just by one of the characters, but you know. I know that we got to keep this story moving along, so it's fine. But I'm, I always, I always just wished this is yeah. my favorite episode. But it's also the episode where, like, I, I wish there was more of, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I kind of hope we get some more of it in the comics, at least. I don't. I mean, don't don't. Spoil, I hope so. Don't spoil people who've read the comics. Uh, um, and of course, I hope that if they revisit Korra and Avatar Studios, can you please get can you, can you mm-hmm. please get more yeah. of this? Yeah, I really wish we could to get more of that, but. Anyway, oh, let's well. let's let's move yeah, on. Let's jump back um, into this. So when when Tarlock arrives, um, you know, Cora and the game, they're taking like photographs of the people they've uh, you know, um apprehended. And Cora's like, Oh, you finally decided to show up. Um and Tarlock warns her that her and her playmates need to stay out of his way. And then literally the next day passes legislation that will prohibit anyone to join the equalists and imposing a curfew on all non-benders which i love how talak's response to the revolution is let's just restrict our rights it's like i've almost heard this song before yeah right it's like i've almost i've seen this movie before where have i seen this before hmm hmm, hmm. amen tenson speaks up and he's like the answer is not to restrict their rights like that's not the answer but the rest of the council, I feel like the rest of the council is also maybe being Afraid. blackmailed by Tarlock. Because, like, yeah. they, they agree to that too easily, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, ugh. Ugh. I hate it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so then we cut to the next night. Team Avatar is responding to an alert about an armed and dangerous pro-equalist rally. However, when they show up, they realize that the non-benders have had their power cut off and are just trying to get it turned back on. So definitely not a pro-equalist rally where they are armed and dangerous. Mm. Um, again, where have I heard this, this song before? Hmm. Um, the pleas of the people for help prompt Korra to discuss the issue with Tarlock, though she is completely ignored. And he just starts arresting people, uh, claiming that they are violent and that they are the enemy. And when Korra counters him and prevents the police from arresting more people, Tarlock arrests Asami, Mako, and Bolin. Yeah. Um, I also want to point out the moment where, like, you know, someone from the crowd, like one of the non-benders from the crowd, like turns, you know, like little girls like, look at the avatar. And her mom says, like, you know, you're our avatar too. Exactly. That's a that really a, powerful line. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. It's 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 really interesting, and and it's again, you know, this was back in 2012, but it it draws strong parallels to what we've seen in the past couple of years, um, especially with like the police and everything. But and even with like the you militant know, force and reaction. There's plenty to of that. there's plenty of other parallels from the past that this sure. draws from. I don't. I want to say maybe it was like Nixon or something mm-hmm. um, or, you know, dealing with like anti-war protesters and stuff, uh, anti-Vietnam protesters and things like that. So I think that's where they mm-hmm. got the, drew, drew the similarities from. Um, so. And it's, know. it's, it's funny because um, I just did a quick Google on it. Uh, this is from January, 2022. And it says there's a new law that allegedly could allow police to shut down uh, your vehicles and electricity um, cause I wanted to see if there was like, you know, could, could police like in our world, like legally do that. Um, and they can't do it without a warrant. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, essentially called, uh, power boxing or no, that's not it. That's just a, 
that's just another term for something else but yeah it's it's definitely something we've seen we've seen before in the past but yeah just it hits and we've talked about this quite a bit um other episodes but yeah it's it's a a really interesting parallel to what's going on now um so you know the next day cora tries to go to the police station with tenzin to try to free her friends but saikon basically says that they have to take it up with Tarlek directly. And I think the you- Roku in Korra was like, I'm going to confront this politician where they work like I did with Sozin and fuck their shit up. <laughs> I also want to point out with the, uh, wait, is this, the, this is the part where like, uh, you, know, you really in- are the worst ever. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause like, you know, we see Tenzin trying to be like, you know, like his father being you uh-huh. know, kind of more level headed and all that. Yeah. So it's like, you know, Korra, it's okay. We'll just, we'll just walk away from this. He's like, but then, the, but then the he's definitely, definitely Katara's <laughs> yeah. kid. You really are the worst ever. Just like the, the childishness in some of these moments mm-hmm. from Tenzin just make his character like all the more rich to me. I love you it. You know, I like he's, he, I just, I just love it whenever he has moments like this where he can be just as like petty and childish. Like mm-hmm. it just, I don't know, it just makes me laugh. The duality of Tenzin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I was kind of joking, but I, I really do. I don't know if this parallel was intentional, Um, but the parallel of, Roku confronting Sozin. It just reminded me this time around of of Korra confronting Tarlock. Um, because again, they're kind of like both politicians, ends up in a fight, they decimate the place. Uh, so it just kind of reminds me of that. Um, but I, I love this back and forth between Korra and Tarlock, because she says that he's playing right into Ahmad's narrative about mm. Benders um and how he uses his power to oppress and intimidate other people and then Tala calls her out and says well don't you do the same thing and cuz he's like you know this is what are you doing right now you you came here to intimidate me into getting what you want and he notes that both he and Cora are people who are both determined to get what they want and it's a quality that they both share and say it with me everybody they're what Foils. foils. <laughs> and then um, we get an- then we get another instance of like, you know, another foil with Cora with Kuvira. So say put a pin in that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I I I really I don't know, I just really enjoy this. And it, it always makes me wonder, like, what why is Tarlock so vigilant about this thing? And as I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, it's because he knows Amanas' brother, but he actually doesn't know that at this point. So it's like I I don't know if it's just or his maybe want for power or you know or you know saying she's like you know him saying that she's just he's just as bad as Amon. I think that like it's it's I don't think it has anything to do with knowing that he you know that Amon is his brother. I think it has to do with more so like just having someone compare to the person who's kind of your rival, so to speak. Uh-huh. Uh, that would is enough to make anyone go ate shit, you know. Well, it's not. I'm not necessarily talking about like. Tarlock's like violent reaction to what she says just like yeah. in general like his campaigning uh, so vigilantly against the equalist movement yeah. to the point where he's making irrational and like you know illegal legislation that restricts other people's rights like is it just because he wants the power or is it like he's basically there to show that you know this uh, idea that Amon is painting about benders is actually rooted in reality like there are people like Tarlock like you know Plenty of people like him. Yeah. But um, I also do want to point out, of like, I've, you talked about, like, him going, you know, like, of him, like, what it was, would you just think about him, like, wanting that power of, like, I mean, obviously he does want that power mm-hmm. um, to do those sorts of things. But I think um, he, he, I mean, like, every good antagonist, every good villain believes that they're doing the right thing. Yeah. And I think he really, really, truly does believe that he's doing the right thing. 
Um, mm-hmm. He's just willing to go to the lengths that a lot of people aren't willing to go to yeah, achieve. I can see that. Wants. I think that's that's definitely a um, a thing. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I could see that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so um, Tarlock attempts to bargain with her and says that if you fall in line and do what I say, then I'll release your friends. And Cora's like, that's why you you did what you did. And she says that he's just as bad as Amon. And at this, Tarlock attacks her and the two engage in a one-on-one duel, a one-on-one duel that completely decimates uh, the city hall. Um, I really like, um, like Cora bending the wall behind Tarlock. I always think, thought that was really cool. She fucking punches the ice too. I think. <laughs> yeah. Is that, yeah, that's yeah, she, she does. does that. She doesn't like fucking water bed. She just punches it. Punches it. I love it. <laughs> punchy, love punchy. It. Punchy, punchy. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and when she's like blown him out of the office, she says, do you still think I'm a, a half-baked avatar? And in a show of bending that rivals the avatar state, she like, you know, blows up the floor and, uh, you know, essentially, um, like superhero pose and everything. Yeah. And, and she says, what are you going to do now? You're out of water. You have nowhere to go. And just as she's about to deliver the final blow to like, gets up and blood bends her out of nowhere. Yeah. This gives me instant chills every single time I the watch gag. this. Because for a moment, it, it takes you like a couple of seconds to to register what he just did. And it's just, again, every time I rewatch this with somebody, I am always looking forward to this moment because their reactions are always priceless. It's um, the gag, the gag of it all, you know? Yeah. Like... It's, and it's not even the fact that it's something that ties back to Avatar. It's the fact that he's doing this without a full moon. And that he says that there's a lot that she doesn't know about him. Dun, 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 uh. So we're we we have a whole question mark on on Tarlac yeah, right now. Right? But this is like complete. I don't think anybody first time watching no. this was was predicting something like that would happen. No, of course not. God, um, and I think the bloodbending is even more like spine chilling in this show than it well, is in in Avatar. But you know, I mean like I don't know if he does it in this scene with Korra with using like literally like using almost like using the force to like you know so to speak to pull her towards him. Yeah. I don't know if that's in that scene, but you do see it used in other mm-hmm. instances of blood bending later in this season. Yeah. Um but you know you gotta see how powerful blood bending has become mm-hmm. since and the development of it since we saw Hama do it. Yeah. Um so it's crazy. Crazy shit. So as Korra starts blacking out, she's seeing more visions of Aang, Toph, and Sokka at Yukon's trial. And it looks like they're also being bloodbent. So we're getting some sort of hint there. Um, And just as she comes to, Tarlok is loading her into his automobile. And he... Uh, get he's the one that gets the menacing last line in this episode and says that she will never <laughs> see Republic City again and then drives off drives off into the wilderness. And that's the end of the episode. That's Such it. a great episode. I love Absolutely. it so much. So much going on here. I love it. Well, I think we got all I think we covered all the beats and stuff that we wanted to talk about for this. So let's move on to our fandom corner for this week. This was a little bit more lighthearted after mm-hmm. uh, kind of the darker stuff that happens in these two episodes. Uh, it does have to do with uh, a little bit to do with the with the Asami and all that stuff. So let's just let's just get into it. One person wrote, I wondered if Cora always know had always known that she was bisexual or if she saw Asami one day and thought, El- you know, LMAO, if I was straight at one point, I'm not anymore. Um, and then one person replied to the, so it's like a couple different people commented on this. So I'm not going to bother with the usernames because a lot of them. Yeah. Um, so one person wrote, I have this headcanon that when she was younger and found out that Katara was married to her in her past life, she would get excited and be all like, does that mean that you're my wife? 
And then if someone was rude to Katara, young Katara would be like, don't talk to my wife like that. And just basically <laughs> assume that being with women was okay simply because she'd already been with them in past lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, just cute stuff like that. And then of like, you know, Tenzin, you know, it was like a, a dialogue moment of like Tenzin and Korra's like, Korra, go to your room. I am your father, Tenzin. Go to your room. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We were I, robbed. <laughs> I know. And one person, another person contributed to the post saying, I'm just picturing tiny five-year-old Korra storming into Katara's room and declaring that Katara is her wife. You see, one of the elders has explained reincarnation to her and let it slip. The avatar before her was married to Sifu Katara and she, Korra is just so stoked that she's been married to someone as amazing as Katara in a past life. Mm-hmm. And Katara just bursts into laughter because her heart is just so full. Because of course, Korra would say something so straightforward and adoring. She is Aang's successor after all. Oh, so that's I, a cute the, one. It's just such a cute one. So that, that's our fandom corner for the week from Tumblr. I, d- I dug a little bit through our past and saved links. And that was just such a sweet one that I had to share. Love that. Love that. Aww. All right, let's move on to recommendations. Kayla, what do you recommend this week? Uh, I recommend kind of a bad movie, but I love it so much that I don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know me, I love my cult classic movies. I love Rocky Horror. I love, you know, Shock Treatment. I recommended a few of those movies. This week, I recommend Repo, the Genetic Opera, which is another cult classic movie. It came out in 2008 or 2009. Um, basically, it takes place in a not too distant future where um, after an epidemic of organ failures, um, you can essentially buy the organs that you need. And if you like, you know, miss your payments on your payment plan, they basically send these people called repo men after you to basically get the organs back. The whole thing is a rock opera. They sing almost the entire time. Okay. It's very, it's dripping in camp and it's made by the same producers who made saws <coughs> like two through five. So there's a lot okay. of like, there's a lot of gore. It's mm-hmm. definitely an R-rated movie. It's like Hot Topic meets Rocky Horror. Hot Topic in the 2000s. Not Hot Topic now. Uh, you know, it just, th- you know, just like met Saw and like Rocky Horror and had just a strange ass baby. And that's what this movie is. And if you want to know how fucking strange this movie is, um, the same, the cast consists of Paris Hilton, Sarah Brightman. Yes, Phantom of the Opera, Sarah Brightman. <laughs> Anthony uh-huh. Stewart Head, who played, um, you know, who was in Buffy. And who else is in there? Um, fucking the girl from Spy Kids, Alexa Vega. Oh, my yeah. God. She's the plays the main character. <laughs> um, and if anyone's a horror fan, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, uh, Bill Mosley is in this as well. Uh, and, Paul, and Paul Servino. Damn, star-studded <laughs> so, cast. I know, right? It's just a cast. It's just like a completely like, out of, like, the weird-ass mishmash of people. Um, you know, Paris Hilton and Sarah Brightman sing in the same scene together. It's just so fucking mind boggling. But That's it's crazy. just like the aesthetic is like very uh, I love the aesthetic of it. It's kind of like, again, like Hot Topic, Rocky Horror and like a little bit of Blade Runner as well mixed into it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's campus tits. Uh, the music is I mean. I'm not going to say it's the best musical ever because there's definitely some very cheesy stuff going on there. And I think that's kind of the purpose of it. Yeah. Um, I, and it looks like there's, kind of looks like there's Vaseline on the lens half the time. And I'm saying all these things that makes it sound like I hate it, but it's absolutely <laughs> not true. I love it. It's, uh-huh. it's hot garbage and I love it. So I highly recommend watching it. It is available on Tubi for free. And if you want to rent it on like Amazon or YouTube, it's available there. I just bought the DVD because now I have a DVD player. So, <laughs> oh, retro! <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm starting my DVD play DVD collection. Whoa. Rocky Horror is coming in the mail, I think, tomorrow. So, 
nice. You need to go to Walmart and get those like $3 DVDs from that giant bin. Oh, trust me, I will. I just need to like take a bath and hand sanitizer after that. They always uh, have they always have the weirdest collection in that bin too. Yeah. It's either like it's either like a Scooby-Doo movie and like Saw 4. It's like this <laughs> There's all yeah, kinds of shit in there. Absolutely. I mean, I was at, I went to a thrift store recently and I bought the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, and, As you and Steel Magnolias for eight dollars. Nice. <laughs> go to um if if when you're in Morgantown, go to if it's still open. I don't know if it's still go to FYE and they always have giant uh bins at the front of the store. It's like four like you get two DVDs for like five dollars or something. Damn, okay. Yeah. Definitely. I'll I'll be in Morgantown you know, tomorrow afternoon. So I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah, that's a great place. And I'll also thrift to... stores are also oh, yeah. a great, great Thrift stores are great. And then Walmart's got their own deals and stuff. So I'm starting a DVD collection now, guys. Because it's like, I don't know. I just feel like with streaming and everything, I don't get me wrong. I love streaming. I love all the original stuff that comes out. But like, considering how often things shuffle around with yeah. DVDs, not DVDs, but the streaming and like licensing, it's just, I've, in the last few years, I have found the joy in owning a movie. Yeah. You know, that like yeah. no one can take that away from you. Like no one can like move it. And eventually I will get the Avatar and Korra DVDs because nice. I, I'm sure at some point they're going to get shuffled around to maybe Paramount Par- Plus. Plus. Yeah. yeah. So I would like to have own it, you know, mm-hmm. so that way, I mean, because I did originally buy the entire Legend of Korra series and I can't find it on, on uh, Apple you know, iTunes, whatever. Like I'm having a hard uh-huh. time finding all the things that I used to buy. So I'm I'm gonna get DVDs. Go no, get I, DVDs, I can guys. I can really I really love getting just, you know, movie series like in in DVDs. Like I have like like all the insidious movies. I have all like the Batman movies and the Harry Potter movies. And I just love having like I have all three conjuring movies. Like I just love having I don't know. There's just something about it, you know, and it just reminds yeah. me of my childhood too, because yeah, you know, we had DVDs and that was it. And then you know, Netflix used to be they would mail, mail you a you DVD DVDs. of yeah. the show or movie you want to watch. Crazy. Yeah, right. Those yeah. were the days. <laughs> Those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Netflix, what do you recommend this week, Andre? Uh, yes, I recommend Heartstopper. Um, obviously. I got the book. You did get the book? Did you watch my friend, the series yet? My friend, my friend gave it to me months ago before the series even came out. I still haven't read it, but I have it. I do have Heartstopper, oh. which I, maybe I, I got should the read. Book. Yeah, I got the graphic novel a couple months ago, too, because I mm-hmm. heard great things about it. It was such, it was like literally a 20-minute read. It's it's very easy to get through. But I loved it. And then when I saw that it was being made into a show, I was like, oh, that's going to be great. Um, And yeah, I I loved it. It was it was, it was was just perfect for me. Um. Everyone on TikTok is is um, like praising it as well, and it definitely deserves the praise. It's an easy watch. It's like 20, 30 minute episodes, um, and it's just it's very I don't know. It's just very wholesome. So yeah, um, I would go and, and check it out. Absolutely. Well, that wraps up our recommendations for this week. Thank you so much for listening to that. I think mine was pretty much a roundabout way of getting people to uh, buy DVDs. It's like a pitch, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, really roundabout. Watch Repo so I can have more people to talk to about it. But also get DVDs. Buy DVDs. Oh, yeah. There you go. It's a two-parter. Well, if you'd like to stay up to date on what's next for the Avatar Hour, make sure you follow us on our social media platforms. We are on TikTok at the Avatar Hour Pod. On Facebook and Instagram, you can find us at the Avatar Hour Podcast. I'm sorry, at the Avatar Hour Podcast. Or on Twitter at Avatar Hour. And of course, we're always looking for more fandom corner entries. So feel free to send memes or headcanons or theories our way through mm-hmm. our DMs on our social media platforms or email us at excuse me I had to burp you can email us at the avatar hour podcast at gmail.com 
Yeah, and if you've been, you know, saving things up to send, I would send it now because we've got our mailbag episode coming up, I think, yes. this month. Um, yes. So if you want us to read any thoughts, whether about the show or about the podcast, um, now's the time to send them because we're going to be saving everything and just doing a whole episode um, talking about what people have sent us. So that now's the time to do it if you're thinking about it. Um, and of course, if you always want some more Avatar Hour in your life, please consider signing up for our Patreon. For as little as $1 a month or up to $5 a month, you can access our show notes, ad-free editions of our episodes that also come a day early. Um, yeah. So not only are they ad-free, they are uh, early release as well. Um, um, you can watch the Zoom recordings. It's just recordings of, you know, if you want to see our faces as we record the episode, um, that's always, that's available as well. And there's plenty of like, you know, extra stuff that doesn't make it into the final podcast. So if you want a little more behind the scenes look at that, that's a great way to get it. And Very if glamorous. you sign up for our $5 Air Acolyte level, you also gain access to our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour. Uh, most recently, we did an episode talking about our expectations for the Donny Yang Chen and just talking about what we want to see, what we hope to see um so and that's always a great way to get a little extra content for, out of us for our uh for avatar hour um but yeah that concludes our episode today uh we've got i think only two more recap episodes of season one of legend of Korra. that's right i forget the Korra seasons are, are shorter than atlas <laughs> yeah so we're so we're we're nearing the end but um yeah can't wait to talk about it next week we will see you then i'm andre and i'm kayla bye everyone bye